Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So today we're going to be talking about fitness. And you know, it's so funny because the Bible is supposed to be filled with universal uh, truths that help us to discover our purpose and and hear about the story of God and hear about how communities over the span of thousands of years have encountered God and have struggled in their lives and had doubts and questions and and epiphanies and and community and somehow across the whole Bible there is no Bible verse about getting rid of that stubborn belly fat there's no Bible verse about those like three easy tricks to do before bed to get the beach body that you always wanted. And there's no Bible verse about like how much shame that men should or shouldn't feel if their thighs touch or like if women should like have a shame if they have like a apparently like an elbow squish thing when you like wear bras like a thing to be ashamed of which is like Have we just run out of things to be picky about? Like, hello, what is going on? The Bible, weirdly enough, doesn't uh, talk about any of that. And and gosh, you know, if you look up um, fitness articles, all the fitness articles are talking about, uh, you know, like measuring your waistline or arms or whatever. There's some type of like measurement happening and, and, and they ask, Um, whether or not you deserve to feel confident in your body. Uh, There's these fitness articles that bring up these lines. But weirdly enough, the Bible never talks about that. Weirdly enough, the Bible, um, when talking about measuring, talks about, um, I guess there's that part in Leviticus where they measure the temple where people have space to worship God. And, and I guess uh, later on, Jesus talks about measuring your commitment to serving marginalized people because how we serve the oppressed is a reflection of how much we love God. And, and weirdly enough, uh, the Bible only talks about like when we're ha- whether or not we should have feelings of confidence. It just talks about us having the confidence of being children of God. We are trading our identities of slaves to so many other idols and things that want our submission for the confidence of being children of God. That's the only thing that the Bible talks about in terms of these themes of fitness, which is weird because, you know, you'd think that this thing that has such a preoccupation in, in our, in our American psyche would, um, would, would warrant a little bit more attention from our sacred texts. But to be clear, the Bible talks about the body all the time. Uh, The Psalms talk about uh, what it is physically like to experience the worship of God, which I don't know about you, but every Sunday when we have this worship service together, it's like a physical experience to be singing and uh, being in community and and really setting myself on this text. Like there's there's a body learning that happens in worship, and and uh, and in the Bible there's a whole book called Song of Songs uh, that's dedicated to sex, and uh, no one talks about it. And uh, and then of course uh, in the New Testament. There's this whole part about Jesus 
having a body and being God, and God cares about bodies so much that God took on a body, and like by taking on a body showed that all of the material world can demonstrate the glory of God. When it comes to the Bible, the, the discourse around the body cares a lot less about who has mad gains and more about who is receiving the glory, less about who is bulking, <laughs> and more about how you are boldly proclaiming the love of God that has transformed you and through you is transforming the world. <laughs> God cares about the glory a lot more about than the gains, and we read that in our scripture today. Now, there is context for our scripture today. It's about food, which is one of the discourses that is as close to fitness as I could find in the New Testament. We're doing all these readings during the sermon series from the epistles, which is like the letters. And so I'm trying to stay in that. And uh, one of the things that they talk about with food is during the time, there was this whole debate about whether or not people who were Christian could uh, eat food that was sacrificed at the shrines or altars of other gods, like other religions. Because Christianity grew up amidst a lot of religious diversity. And the goal of Christianity was never to like make the world religiously homogenous. The goal was to present Christ throughout the world and to like bring about the kingdom of God. And those are actually quite different concepts. Like it's about transformation of the world, not about like homogeneity. So, um, uh, back to food. So the Christians were wondering, like, is it okay for us to proclaim that God is the one God, that we are dedicating our lives to the love of God, and then go eat food that was dedicated to a God that we don't think was uh, in our had our best interest in mind, or another God that isn't part of our religious system? And Paul was like, okay, 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 okay. We're kind of tripping over ourselves here. Um, if we are Christians then we believe that everything that was created came through Christ, that God uh, was there at the beginning of time and infused her breath into everything that is alive. And if we are Christian, we train ourselves to have the eyes to see how everything is radiant with the glory of God and that actually we can transform our world to be more just and hopeful and loving when we can start to see the radiance of the glory of God. It's almost like all of creation was wearing a highlighter colored shirt and it was just radiating. <laughs> glory like it's like the, the whole point of being a christian is that the world becomes your altar and you meet god at all of the places that this world has to offer and so um so uh we are uh, uh seeing god in all these places quick aside the whole world is our altar that's no excuse for us to not come together as community to worship god though like there is a particular thing that comes together when we are whole and conferencing as a community, as the people of God. Um, but we don't uh, think of worship as the one place where you can encounter God. We think of worship as the, the place where we as a community can live into 
the kingdom of God in like a little micro way so that when we go out into the world, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a dandelion spreading its seeds. It's like, there's like a kingdom of God puff explosion that goes and sends out people into the world to be agents of change. And so, um, and so Paul is like, okay, and like, don't forget that like, there was that one time that Peter had that that dream about the, about the sheet. Some of you, like the folks who grew up in Sunday school know what I'm talking about. There was like a sheet where God was like, nothing that I've made is profane. Everything's legit. And I, of course, like that was a metaphor at the time for converting the Gentiles. But I also think that God sometimes speaks with multiple meanings. And uh, part of the meaning of that dream was like, everything belongs to God. And so if you eat meat, that was dedicated to another god, like that meat was first claimed by the creator. <laughs> like that life originated from God. And when we as Christians eat, we well, part of the reason why we say grace is because we want to remember that life originates from God. And so he's like, yeah, don't sweat the details. You know, like don't don't get ironically, like don't get too legalistic about this. Um, like if you are in the market and you get some food, and the food happened to be offered to idols, like, we know where life came from, and we and we direct our glory to God in our eating, and, and that's what matters. That's what matters. But then he said something really interesting at the, um, and this was right before the reading. Um, he was saying, however, if someone offers you a plate of food and says, you know, like they're talking directly to you and says, this food was offered to another God. You shouldn't eat it because you wouldn't want to create um, kind of confusion or mixed messaging about uh, about the um, what it means for you to be following God. And so it's like, he uses an interesting line, like you, you shouldn't eat it not because like it doesn't matter for you, but because it might affect the conscience of your neighbor. Like Christians should behave in such a way that we are mindful of the conscience of the people around us. And we're trying to make uh, moral action, not just for the, our own sake, to protect our soul, but, <laughs> but moral action for the sake of inspiring just living in the world and, and for people to be able to follow their conscience in the world, whether or not they identify as Christian. So Paul is saying, like, we give glory to God by allowing people uh, to not have like confusion in their own conscience. And, and that's really what the line that I, I want us to take away from the scripture is, is like, it's about glory. And as long as the glory is going back to God, then however we go about living our lives is going to be the right way. And so I bet you can already imagine the parallels that we can... Um, learn from Paul's discourse on food and apply them towards fitness. So first of all, I think it's worth naming, like, if we recognize that our bodies were created, our whole lives, our whole being is from God, and the purpose of our action in the world is to glorify God, that already saves us from a little bit of, like, the shame narrative that people are capitalizing on you and preying upon you with, right? Because it's like, you don't need to earn the grace of God. You don't need to earn belovedness. If you have uh, an unsightly body that people don't want to look at, God 
uh, doesn't care. <laughs> like God became a person who was crucified and had a sword put through his side, which by the way is very unsightly. And yet somehow the glory and grace of God still burst into the world through uh, the resurrection of God, like through the broken body of Jesus, right? Like Jesus hung out with people who had permanent disfiguration in their bodies all the time. And he was like, you are the children of God and don't you forget it. And when we remember where we came from and to whom we are dedicating our future, it's a lot easier to be able to live in this body even when the, the culture and society is constantly waging war on it. Now, I know that this argument kind of feels like the kid who goes to school and says like, well, my mom says I'm handsome, <laughs> right? And it kind of literally is saying that. It's saying that you have a parent who uh, finds you perfectly, amazingly beautiful, so much that you have the miracle of life in you. And your mom is like the person who created the entirety of the universe, who invented the amazing miracles of the solar system and music and land and the sky and the complexities of your endocrine system and the human eye and like these things that are amazingly complex and given so much attention and detail and love in every bit of creation. Like, yeah, that's the parent who says that you look pretty good. <laughs> that's the confidence of like, the one who invented beauty says that you are beautiful. And so anyone else who claims otherwise is trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And that's kind of what we start to see is like, people are trying to use, to weaponize your body against you in order to control or manipulate or capitalize off of you. And God is saying, if you forfeit that power to folks who did not create you, then you will um, never receive the validation back that will fill the hole that was created in that forfeiture of power. Like if you forget that you are a beloved child of God, no matter how much you perform to all the world's statuses, is not gonna last. If you are the cutest little Instagram influencer with all the vacation pics, no amount of likes or follows are going to eternally create a kingdom of justice and, and goodness in the universe. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, there are certain payoffs to being hot, sure, but th that type of immediate gratification doesn't really matter in the history of the universe, right? Like God is like, I want to give you a type of beauty that echoes throughout the ages. And that has a lot more to do with worship and justice and mercy and community than it does about your mad gains, bro. So I think that that's the invitation that, that, we can, as Christians, step into fitness, and actually, I really think that we should, but always remembering that we are doing it with a steady-footedness of, of God holding us up in it. 
And I, you know, like, I don't think that, uh, I have any opinion about like whether or not you want to, um, be part of a dance class or uh, resistance training or whatever. Like, I think that fitness is something that has many different types of disciplines. And, and I think that a Christian can meaningfully participate in any of them because what makes it Christian is who gets the glory, right? Like I have a, I have a Christian friend who um, it takes a pole dancing class and she does like, like competitions and stuff. And she's like, doing it for the glory of God. And I'm like, hallelujah, bless the Lord. We have so many bigger issues to worry about, like climate change, the election, etc., cetera, than whether or not someone is getting abs from a metal pole, right? Like we, can, we can focus on the things that God needs us to focus on to bring about the kingdom of God. And, and then fitness, like, however we get our fitness, like, uh, I just don't think we should be losing sweat over it, you know? Uh, I'm losing sweat over it. With that said, though, obviously, uh, movement, fitness in your body, resistance training is, like, kind of, like, part of who we were created to be. Like, there is no point in time where the human species was as sedentary as we are right now. And the reason why this sermon made it into the Survival Kit Sermon Series is because if we don't have some type of exercise while we're riding out this pandemic, then it is going to impact every part of our lives. We are fooling ourselves if we think that um, sitting and staring at a Zoom call how many times a day? I You can type in the comments, like two times, two Zoom calls a day, four Zoom calls a day. How many hours of our day where we're just literally sitting and staring at a thing? Like human beings, we're not designed to sit and stare at a light source for that long. And it will impact our emotional health and certainly our spiritual health if we don't have some type of way for our body to move how God created it to move. Like sometimes I feel like I participate in fitness because it's so obvious to me as I'm doing this that it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that God wanted me to do this and that's why I'm getting so many nutso endorphins while I'm doing it, you know? And and of course there is always the opportunity for us to make idols out of out of anything right and and we certainly know the folks who make the idols out of the endorphin rushes and and turn exercise into something that it's not supposed to be turn exercise into a religion uh turn exercise into your gateway into um getting more cultural currency to to perform to kind of like capitalist understandings of what the body should look like that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking about is like living into your createdness living into your flesh and believing that if God created uh, you to look uh, and feel amazing while you're alone by yourself in your office, dancing salsa, hallelujah, bless the Lord. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like we come together and worship as a community. And I really, like I said, I really believe in that rhythm. But, like, keep in mind that the rest of creation is worshiping 
Like, the rest of creation is worshiping without words. And the way that the rest of creation worships with their body is by doing the things that their body was created to do. And that's ultimately what we're doing with fitness is, is like, I believe that God made me and, and that my worth was determined before the beginning of time. And I believe that I can glorify God and I can dedicate my actions towards this creation of a kingdom where all bodies can live and move freely. And so like this like exercise thing is like an opportunity and invitation for us to step into a new creation. And it's not about you having any particular measure uh, on your waistline. It's about you having the unbearable measure of glory <laughs> alive in your body. Um, it's, it's about you feeling like you're not just a floating head with your, with your blue light glasses on and that, that God created the other parts of you as well because all of these parts can worship God through the ways that we live and move and breathe through creation. Now, of course, there is the other learning from the food, uh, from the food learnings though, right? Because um, like Paul said, if the ways that you go about moving in the world causes other people to turn to other idols, then like that in itself is something that we have to kind of be thinking about, like how are we impacting the consciousness of other people? And so, for example, if we relate to um, uh, this fitness industry in such a way that we perpetuate body negativity, that we perpetually shame people of different body types, then we're, we're offering uh, our, our words and our actions at the altar of a different God. Like, if we truly believe that we are children of God, then, then um, using our words to shame other bodies into becoming a certain kind of way is, is something, but it's not worship. Like, it's not giving glory to God. It's, it's, it's idolatry of a different type. Um, and so, like, yeah, I believe in fitness. And I'm going to really intentionally put effort into not commenting on how other people are living out their fitness lives. Because one, I don't know what it's like to live in their body. And two, we're in such a body fraught society right now that I tr I'm worried that that will impact the conscious of, of the people around me. And in so doing, create an idolatry of something that doesn't worship the God of eternal dignity. And P.S. This includes how we talk about our own body to other people, right? Like... This whole, like, it's cool to be self-deprecating about parts of your body or, like, describing how out of shape you are, like, it's, uh, and therefore you are somehow less worthy of a person. Like, this whole, like, if I attack myself first, then it'll protect me from other people attacking me. Like, I, I, I think that that is uh, putting us down a path where we're modeling to people how it's okay for Christians to hate bodies even if it's our own, right? Like, I think that there, there are ways that we can model how, uh, how we talk about how um, our body might have weaknesses, our body might have things that don't match the magazines, sure. 
uh, our body might have things that really <laughs> even frustrate us. Um, and, and maybe we can move or act in our bodies in the same ways that we could earlier. Like, I, I think the, um, naming realities about our body is just fine, but um, assigning a moral value to those weaknesses and, and somehow being less worthy of anything, even if we're just describing ourselves, I don't think that's going to create the world that we want to live in. It's like Christians are the least marketable type of athlete. <laughs> Because it's like we're not trying to sell stuff and we're not trying to create a lifestyle brand. We're trying to create a worship plan where all of who we are can glorify God. Like Jesus said, we are loving God with our mind and body and soul and strength. That's our offering to God. And so, New City Church, uh, this week your weekly challenge is to add into your survival kit some type of like fitness person who uh, who is can lead you through some type of exercise that you can do even when it's winter in Minnesota during a pandemic. So uh, like it might be finding a YouTuber, it might be finding a fitness buddy who knows stuff, it might be pulling out uh, DVDs of things. <laughs> DVDs. But the point is that you, um, you have in your back pocket like a, a real workout thing that you won't get sick of over the course of like, I don't know, like November to like February, March, let's say. So like it's helpful to have folks who are like releasing more content or who have like more things that you can be exploring. Um, and I really encourage you to be looking out for folks who are offering fitness um, uh, from a way that is not body shaming, that is celebratory, that um, uh, visually has optics of, of different types of bodies, different colors of bodies, in a way that uh, reminds you that, that God created all of creation and that we participate in fitness uh, as, as a way to kind of like join the chorus of bodies uh, living out uh, exercise and freshness and aliveness um, and not just to get like a certain kind of hot, you know? Does that make sense? If you are ready to take on this weekly challenge to add this to your survival kit, honestly, folks, like if you just have a really good, really blast, like fun workout this week, and then you can say like, okay, this is my person or this is my um, uh, exercise that I'm going to do, then like that is all we are asking for. If you are ready for this weekly challenge, then go ahead and put an exclamation point in the comments because we as a community are going to find a way to live into our bodies. Amen? Amen.